Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs, raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's guest has been a professional speaker for over 24 years and is now giving over 75 presentations per year. He's one of the leading authorities in leadership and personal growth, especially time management, helping people take back their calendars and restore sanity to their lives. Through his company, Growing Forward Services, he's partnered with his corporate and individual clients to transform their vision, their habits, and their lives. He's a three-times author and the host of the Tri-Cities Influencer Podcast. Join me in welcoming Paul Casey. Hey there, Paul. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Meg. So I'm excited to have you here because you are the expert in productivity and time management, which as parents, as parent entrepreneurs, that is something that we all need more of. Better time management help us find that ideal balance that we're looking for, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people out there that are pretty frustrated with how their days go by and they're like, ah, I didn't get it done again. <laughs> right. So what is it that that motivated you to start studying time management and then want to make this your your career to help other people with this? Well, my mom was a teacher, and so I was a child of a teacher, and so she was always busy doing something. You know, like we were watching TV. I remember the shows of the 80s, and she was, we were watching TV, and she was doing bulletin boards or grading papers. And, and then so I got into doing, I was an only child, so I started doing my own little like baseball game with statistics and things off to the side while watching TV. And I just started maximizing my time wherever I was, uh, whatever I was doing. Well, then I followed in their footsteps and became a teacher. And boy, as a teacher, you just have to be a time manager. Uh, you got recess and PE and all these things you got to keep on schedule. And it just felt like it was in my blood. Then one day, my principal came into my office and he said, you know what? Uh, I see some leadership in you and uh, I want you to be my vice principal next year part time. And I went, wow, okay. And when I became a vice principal, I walked into his office and it looked like a bomb went off. <laughs> and I just said, wow, uh, <laughs> there's just something in me that got a little nauseous but seeing clutter all over the place and uh, not seeing him optimized. And so I said, can I organize your office? And he goes, take a crack at it. So I put all these things in piles. There was memos in those days and things to read. And, and uh, there was a document called The Organized Executive. I don't know if it still exists. This publication with all these time management hacks in it. And I totally nerded out on it and went, wow, I just love all these little tips. And that started me on this journey. So I'm just curious, at, at that point, 
you were working as a teacher. At, at what point did you stop working as a teacher and then devote yourself to this full time? Oh, it's been a, it's been a long journey. So I became a teacher, then a principal. Then I was like a family pastor at a church, helping parents with their parenting skills. Um, and just along the way, I was speaking to teachers on uh, many different topics, time management, just being one of those. And in 2015, I launched, I started the business in 2012, and then I had the day job and the dream job going. And uh, as the dream job kept getting bigger and bigger, and people wanted to grow in that way, I just went, I'm going to go that way. And I launched in 2015, and the income goes to zero Woo-hoo! as an entrepreneur. My wife got pretty concerned about that, especially in those first six months. But that's when I uh, I launched the dream and been going since then. Awesome. Now, how long did it take you to get up from the zero to a point where your wife was happy? And you don't have to tell me what that point was. I'm just curious at what point (laughs) she was like, okay, this is going to work. Well, I hit bottom. Uh, so I launched in January of 2015 and June is when we had the talk and that's when we're going on a walk and she's like, I don't know if this is going to work. You know, I think I made uh, $1,900 that month, uh, which wasn't enough to pay the bills for the family. And I just said, if we hang in there just a little bit more, cause I was networking the heck out of this town and just going to every networking event, every chamber of commerce event, every tips group. And, um, I just felt like if it was a little bit longer. And in July, I got my first booking for my coaching program. I've got, I got some team building facilitations to do. Uh, now, I did have to get a couple part-time jobs to make it through year one, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But within one year, I quit both of those part-time jobs. And it was October then of 2016 that I never looked back. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know that was a little diversion from where I thought we were going to go. But... I think it's important for people to understand that you, I mean, you had a really, your story sounds really clear. You went boom, 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 boom. You found what you were interested in and then boom, you're doing it. But everybody, everybody has, has hardship in there. So I appreciate you, you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit so we can see that it, it wasn't like this instant success and there's a little bit of struggle and you had to, go back to some part-time work, which probably wasn't your favorite thing to do. And, but, but you got through it and you're where you are now. Um, so, yes. <laughs> so what, what is your, like your model or, you know, your, your golden nugget for restoring sanity to people's crazy, hectic chaos? <laughs> yes. And, and I found out I needed a model in order to do like online, you know, uh, courses. So I, I hired someone to help me make a model and we came up with the, the fulcrum framework of focus. I know that's a oh. lot of F words uh, there in a row, but where, how we came up with that is I went to a seminar years ago about burnout and this, uh, this leader was completely burned out and he was telling the story of how to avoid burnout. And he said, picture your life, not in work-life balance, because that's impossible. So, but picture it more like a teeter-totter where you got work on one side, life on the other, and you're not trying to balance it, but there's a fulcrum there at the, at the apex there of the teeter-totter. And you move the, the fulcrum left or right towards work or towards family, depending on what is needed at that moment. Now you can't push it over to the side too far or the other one gets neglected and things go bad in that area. 
but you just make it a little bit more fluid. I really like that concept. So that's where the fulcrum part of that came from. And so that's where I based it on. And then I start the, the journey with people saying, you've got to manage your time around your values and your vision. That really is the big point one. My first question is, what is a fulcrum? I'm so sorry. It makes me feel like maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like that triangle. Okay. Uh, so this that, it's that just... it's the teeter-totter sort of balances on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure if there was another thing I was missing. I'm sorry. <laughs> but hopefully I'm not no, the no, only no. one that's like, I've not heard this word before. Um, <laughs> $2 word. Yeah. Right? It's like the SAT words. Like, use that in a sentence today. You'll be a little smarter for it. <laughs> so what is the the first point in the system? Yeah. So it's manage your time around your values and your vision. So the values being your core values. So I try to, when I'm with clients, I try to help them figure out what is the most important to them because they've probably lost it along the way, especially if they're in the whirlwind or in the weeds of their life, they have forgotten what is most important. So we go through a simple exercise. A lot of facilitators, trainers do this where you come back to what are your like five biggest core values, family usually being one of the top five for most people. Because I say that if you, if you're not managing your time around those values, it's getting shoved to the side and you feel like you're a little bit off. You say, well, family's most important. And then you pop open your laptop for another six hours and you ignore your family and you just know you're in dissonance. You know, it's that, it's that musical term. that's like, ah, uh, and then, uh, and you just feel like you're a little off all day long. And it's a horrible way to live, but values are really important to put into your schedule first. The second one then is your vision. Where do you want to be one year from now, five years from now? Probably don't go that far, much further out than that because we want to sort of reverse engineer your schedule from that to get towards that goal so you're living a fulfilling life. Now, do you have resources for identifying what your core values are? Like besides family, how do you come up with the other values? Yeah, I've got a list of them that, of course, I could I could send your listeners uh, just a simple list. Also, have these cards that are pretty cool that you, you take the cards, you put them into three piles. Like these are definitely me. These are hmm, these are nice words, but you know I'm not wow about them. And then these are definitely not me. And by sorting them into the three uh, piles, then you just look at the uh, the pile that is just you, and you're like, okay, everybody in my life would say this is totally Paul. You know, I, I, everybody that watches my life would say that. And then you take those, spread them out on a table and you start going, hmm, love and affection versus trust, you know, and then it gets really hard because you have to start ranking them. What are my top five that I would almost die for these five values are that important to me. And that's a pretty fun exercise, a deep exercise that you come up with these main five at the end and then you try to defend them. What are, why are these so important to me? Do you think... Do they change over time? Like, is it possible your core values could be different in a couple of years or do they traditionally stay the same because they're like the core of you? Yeah, because they're the core. They usually stay the same. There's something I've been with you for a long time. I would say maybe if there was a traumatic event in your life, like maybe you went through a, a divorce or breakup or a death or a, a serious career change that maybe one of one or two of those might change just a little bit, but usually those five stay core. Okay. And then with your vision, can you share a little bit about how you reverse engineer it? 
So let's say that one year from now, I want to um, launch an online course. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the big goal that's out there that I want to go after. So in order to go after that goal, then I'm going to have to make a little storyboard. So I've got a little tool called a storyboard, which we've probably all seen movies. They have to make storyboards to move the little animated characters along. And so it's a very simple six box grid where you put where you are now in the first grid and you put your target in that sixth box. And then what are the baby steps that are going to get you? You can actually reverse engineer, start from the back and work backwards, or you can start from the front and work forwards. But what are some chunks that are goals that are broken down into small enough parts that are going to keep you along this path so you don't get stuck and procrastinate and stall which where I've seen a lot of people is they, they look at that big goal and they go, yeah, forget it. It's just too big. I can't get there. Right. And then a year passes and you realize you haven't even taken the first baby step. Yeah. And we can do that with all of our, um, uh, all of our roles in our life as a parent, as a spouse, as a business owner, um, as a volunteer in the community. And so I've got, I'm, like I said, I sort of nerd out on this stuff because it's what I do for a living, right? But I, I've got goals in each of those areas of my life of where I want to be a year from now. So that's the first point. How many points are there? You know, I do about, there's, there's eight usually in uh, when I do a workshop on this. Okay. Uh, the first three are probably the most important. Okay. So dive let's, in? Yeah, let's go over through. I, I wasn't sure how far we were going with this. So let's go through the first three. What's the second point? It is to, before you go to bed today, before, before you leave work today, you've got to pick out your three top priorities for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that is so critical that it's not more than three because most of us have these to-do lists that are, I don't want to-do lists. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just like, that is, it's, it's undoable. More than three priorities and you don't have any priorities because then everything's a priority. But three seems manageable. So by doing it before you go to bed or before you quit work today and have that hard stop, then you know you can, you can transition into your family life or your hobbies at night with peace of mind. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, you don't have to scramble and sort through all the papers on your desk. You know what your big three priorities are. And what's cool is your brain works on problems while you sleep. Your subconscious mind works on things and you get an added benefit. So really, that is the main first point is to to look ahead of tomorrow while you're still in today. So I just wanted to recap. At the end of your your workday, you can set those three goals for tomorrow and then potentially right before bed, go and review those three goals so that they're like fresh in your mind. So you can think about them when you sleep and not even like know it. And then when you wake up in the morning, you're ready to tackle those those three main goals, right? You got it. What you'd go to next then is you would front load those those big priorities into the morning if possible. Uh, and of course, you got to you, you have to know when you're freshest. And sometimes you've got family commitments, you've got other things going on. But for most people, the morning is the time where you've got to bang out those most important priorities or those big rocks in your schedule. And so that's prime time for us. So if we don't do that, what happens is, and I've done it too, you know, I teach on this stuff and I procrastinate too, because we're all procrastinators at some level, is we take our goals and our outlook or our Google calendar and we drag them into the afternoon and go, you know, I just don't feel like doing that right now. I'm going to do some of these ticky tack easy tasks that take 30 seconds. Just bang those out. When we do that, we get a rush of dopamine. It's like, ah, when we cross those things off our list. And that's why we love it so much. 
But then we get to the end of the day and we haven't done the big priorities, those things that would move the needle forward the most. So by front-loading those into the morning, we're going to have a better likelihood of setting off a snowball of productivity for the rest of the day, which then we get all the little tasks done as well. Now, I feel like this stuff all sounds amazing and I could probably go and implement it right now. I I mean, I feel like you're looking over my, you must be looking over my shoulder because I do that all the time with Google Calendar, dragging things down later, like, ah, we'll just put this (laughs) off. Or even worse, like moving it to tomorrow because like, I just don't feel like it today. So that that's real life. That totally happens. Um, I guess my biggest question at this point is like, how can we make like turn this best practice into like second nature? Like how do we make it um, stick with us for the long term and not just for like, Oh, it'll be my new year's resolution. And then in two weeks I'm back to my old ways. Yeah, boy, that's a really great question. Cause one of the people in my last class said, you know, Paul, let's be honest, right? This is all about discipline. It's all about self-discipline. And I went, you know what? You're right. I can give you all these tips and tricks, uh, but it really comes down to making these into habits uh, because habits are the thing that's going to ground it. So in answer to your question, Meg, is I would say you just work on one of these for a couple of weeks and you drive it deep. Then you move to the second point and then you drive that one deep instead of trying to work on all of these points at once. So you get some success, some short-term wins, and then all you do is you just tack on the next one. Mm -hmm. For instance, like the next point is to uh, make appointments with yourself, make all your tasks, tasks into appointments with yourself as if you're meeting with another person. Well, you can see how these now have built on each other. We're going to make our goals the night before, then we're going to front load them into the morning, but now I'm going to actually make a time slot as if I'm meeting my friend for for coffee in a coffee shop. I'm never going to stand that friend up in the coffee shop. I'm not going to go, you know, I'm just not going to come because I'm going to lose friends pretty quickly that way. So instead, I make an appointment with myself and I put, you know, write social media posts for the week at nine o'clock on Tuesday morning. And then I pretend like I'm going to that meeting. You know, at nine o'clock, I stop what I'm doing and I write the social media posts. It takes a lot of discipline to not blow yourself off and drag it into the the afternoon. But boy, when you get in this habit, that one habit probably doubled my productivity. It's that important to do. I think those are great tips. And I think it's something that's totally, it's totally doable. You know, nothing is outside of, nothing's super hard. You don't need any like special tools. If you're a paper and pen planner, you can pencil it in. And if you're a Google Calendar user, you could and Google Calendar is beautiful because you can put it in like the same time every week. Like just have it repeat indefinitely. Oh, yeah. So I, re- I like those three tips. I'm going to make sure that those are outlined in the show notes too. So if anybody's listening and they're like, oh, shoot, what was tip number two? I feel you. I forget that stuff all the time. So I'm going to put those in the show notes so people can go click over and just hit them easily. Um, I'd love to know from from your perspective as a, as a parent yourself and an entrepreneur, like what's, and obviously I feel like t- if time management can't be your answer, what would be your next tip for parent entrepreneurs? How to, how to find that work-life balance or redefine balance however you want to? Wow, that's a great question. I threw you off. You weren't prepared to talk about other things. You did. <laughs> you, you got me on that one. You know, it does come back to vision, though, because if I want, I'm going to make time 
for what I want to make time for. So if I want time with my children, I'm going to move heaven and earth to make that happen. So yeah, it still does come back to time management because that's the bounds that we live in here, right? Sure. So I'm going to find a way to make my calendar work so that I can spend that time with my children and then put strong boundaries up around um, work so it doesn't creep into that family time. You know, it's, it's silly, but even if I wanted to watch a show like Survivor or something, uh, I would find a way to make time to watch that because it's important to me to watch that show. It's not for me personally, but if it was <laughs> for, for me, I, I would try to move heaven and earth, whether I record that or uh, I get in front of the TV at that time. But it really comes down to managing your life around that vision. And that brings up another, like in my head, maybe, maybe you kind of covered this already and I just didn't pick up on it. Um, but we can schedule in our calendars, our time with the kids too, so that we can treat that like any other business meeting. And if survivor is your thing, I don't know what time it's on, but you could be like Tuesdays at eight or whatever, you know, whenever your show is on and you can do the same thing with your kids. So, I mean, that's something that I don't do that I could do. Yeah. Good point you know, every Wednesday from three to five is going to be uh, time to play outside or, or, or whatever, you know, whatever the, the thing is. And if you use, I use um, Acuity is like my scheduling tool. So once you put it in Google Calendar, then clients can't book times there. So you could easily block off family time the same way you would block off meetings with you. Oh, you sure could. Uh, Meg, it's a great point. I block off everything. And I know that's a little maybe OCD, but you can block off. So I have date night with my wife every Friday night. So that's a sacred time that, that doesn't get moved. If for some reason there was some event that happened overlap, we would move that block somewhere else to make sure that it gets that time. Um, yes, watching a movie with my kids would be a blocked out time. Uh, I block out and they're, they're called F-bots, which is sort of funny, not F-bombs, but F-bots, focus blocks of time. Another author uses that term that I've just sort of hijacked. But it's where you just block your schedule for, I, like I block out filing time. I know it's just a half hour a week, but it makes sure it moves forward a little bit. I block out professional reading time. Um, I block out preparation for client time. And I literally have blocks. If you were to see my Google calendar, it would scare people. But it really <laughs> does. It really, there's, there's, there's breaks in there too. You know, what I call margin. You've got to put margin into your life so you don't uh, go end to end and burn out. But you really can, like you said, you can block out kid time, uh, playing with your kid time, and then you just honor that when it pops up like you would any other appointment. Now, do you ever have issues with blocking off so much time that you don't have like free time in your calendar for like client appointments? Like I have clients who schedule phone calls and sometimes they're last minute, like week of or, you know, the day before. Do you have issues with that? Like if I with blocking too much time off? And the rule I have for myself is that people are always more important than tasks. Even though I'm a little bit wired, my personality style is a little bit more task than people. Um, if I have client time, that's going to come first. If I have family time, that's going to come first. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to adjust the tasks and I will move them around like a puzzle. It really does become a puzzle, my schedule. And so people time will go in first and I'll just glance at my calendar and go, yep, a person is more important than that task, but I'm going to find another block in that week to move that task. So another week doesn't go by without losing it. 
So I'm thinking, again, thinking for my own business and from the standpoint of using a scheduling tool that pulls from Google Calendar, they might have to be on like separate calendars. So like your task calendar wouldn't be visible um, by Acuity so that people can still schedule where your tasks are blocked off and then you do that shuffling as needed. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I've I've hired a, a virtual assistant this year and... I don't give her access to my calendar access, meaning she can look at it, but she can't move it because that's such a personal thing for me to move that kind of stuff around. So you're right. It would have to be a separate calendar else. There would be no blocks to put anybody else in. Which is super helpful for me because I've tried stuff like that before and felt like I, it didn't work for me. And I think that's not the case. I was just doing it wrong or or there's, there's more efficient ways of doing it. So I appreciate you bringing those to light. And I think that this is going to be super helpful because I can't be the only one who, who kind of missed that step of having the two separate calendars. Now, where can our listeners learn more about you and all of your productivity tips, hacks, and help? Sure. So more about uh, Growing Forward Services, which is my business, would be at paulcasey.org. Uh, don't go to paulcasey.com because he's a professional golfer and I'm just a duffer. So I'm, I'm really not good at golf. But uh, paulcasey.org is where you'd find that. I do want to offer your listeners uh, to get into the time. If you really want to take your time management back, uh, I would say go to my uh, free site, takebackmycalendar.com. And there you will find a control my calendar checklist. And it's sort of that first step. You'll hear some of these points that I've talked about today and it'll go a little bit deeper to just get that journey going. You could also um, text the word growing to 72,000. So growing to 72,000. And again, you'll get that free control my calendar checklist. Awesome. That sounds amazing. I can't imagine anybody that would not benefit from that. Or maybe I'm just speaking about myself. So (laughs) thank you so much. This has been extremely helpful for me. I know it's going to be helpful for our listeners. And I really appreciate all of the the time that you blocked out your calendar to be on this podcast. (laughs) Thanks, Meg. Keep growing forward. That's it for today's episode of the Familypreneur Podcast. You will find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash podcast. Until next week, I'll see you over in the Familypreneur community. Bye for now. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. It only takes a moment and let's be honest, it helps other parent entrepreneurs know how amazing this podcast really is. 